review which you are about to see is an account of the tragedy which befell a group of five youths. The disc has been upgraded, but the tragedy remains one of the most bizarre crimes in American history. The Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Alright, welcome back to Return of the Disc. This is episode 29 of Return of the Disc. Thank you guys for being here. And, special guest, as you can see on the screen, joining me this week to talk the Texas Chainsaw Massacre is Tom. So Hello. Welcome back. Glad you're here. Thank you. We are going to be discussing the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the original. Wow, look at that. I, you know, I got this version because I like the cover. I got this version because Twinflix on YouTube sent it to me. So thank you again, Twinflix, <laughs> for yeah. sending me this. Now, Tom, you were there when I first. Are you, actually you? The, you're the one that exposed me to this film. Yeah. And it didn't I go over so night. well. I remember that night. That was funny. What do you remember? It was either Halloween or around Halloween. Uh, and I put that one on. And you and I watched the first hour. And then our friend Jake showed up for the last half hour. And he was like, oh, yeah, I've seen Texas Chainsaw Massacre. No big deal. And then he sat down, watched it, and you both were horrified. And then at the end, he said, that's not the one I saw. So he clearly saw the Michael Bay remake. Um. <laughs> oh, man, yeah. See, I don't remember making it through the whole film. No, you did. Okay. Um, I mean, you were shocked at the dinner scene, I remember. Um <laughs> I'm not sure if you were watching at the beginning. Like, I think it was just me, and then you kind of sat down at some point. Okay. Yeah. I don't know. Um, there might have been some intoxication going on, but uh, yeah, mm -hmm. it was uh, quite the experience. <laughs> quite the experience, first time. And I hadn't tried it since. Um, it's always been kind of like, oh, this is the one that spooked me. So I got the copy, put it in last night. Man, what a movie. I mean, oh, yeah. What an experience. Made it through. Still very creepy to me. Um, but um man, I think it still holds up to today. I mean, oh, for sure. ever did. It's just the camera work, the way that it's shot, the stylized. Um, there's I mean, I wouldn't say there's a bunch of jump scares or anything, but it's definitely like if it feels like a documentary to me. Oh, yeah, yeah. I well, I think it comes down to like it was a practical consideration, but the use of 16 millimeter, I mean, like that's what you would be using for home video. Mm -hmm. I mean, and also obviously like porn and low budget horror movies. Right. Um, and then also like he thought it was going to be PG. So like they didn't do much blood. <laughs> well, PG 13 didn't exist at the time. So that's True. what they would have been going for if like that had existed. But um, then they said, you know, this is just too scary. And the subject matter is just too gruesome. Like it can't be, pg um it makes more sense when you think about like jaws and um like poltergeist being pg movies right yeah um, the thing that's really i thought was scary to me is just the way that i forgot her name but the main character she's just screaming marilyn burns yeah and it just progressively becomes like she's being attacked brut brutally but she will not die like she will not Oh no, yeah. On getting out of there. She jumps through two windows. Yeah. Literally just smashes through two windows. Uh like that one of them from a second story. 
and there was opportunity to show blood, but they didn't go there. And I'm I'm yeah. cool with that. I've still it's still really scary just hearing the chainsaw, and the, there's several chase scenes, and even the lead up to that where they pick up this guy. There's a group of people in this van, and they pick up this guy, and he's so strange and weird, mm -hmm. and he cuts himself and eats the blood, I believe, and you know he makes these weird signs and stuff, and you're kind of like okay not sure where this is going and then later on when he shows back up he's part of the family it just comes full circle for me i was like holy crap man they're all nuts and i i just can't get the image when they bring out grandpa oh yeah and it's it looks like a dead body yeah and i'm like is he gonna come alive because i didn't remember much of this movie other than being scared and then it came back to me i was like his eyes are gonna open i remember this now he's gonna, he's gonna wake up and something's gonna happen here i remember this now like it started coming back to me like weird in, in an odd way and it was still scary hard to watch challenging but entertaining all the less it was just i couldn't stop watching i didn't look away or anything and and you know, when they're trying to get the grandpa to make a kill. Yeah. <laughs> it's like darkly comedic. And well, yeah, yeah scary. it is. <laughs> well, their family dynamic is so interesting because, like, they still look up to grandpa as, like, the, like, supreme killer, even though he's a decrepit corpse-like creature. Like, I, I wouldn't even call him human. Like, he's oh. subsiding on blood from other people like the fuck <laughs> yeah because they have her kidnapped and they they cut her finger and they wheel grandpa over like to suck her blood it's like, it's like, or get a taste and it's just oh it's so like i don't know it's so cringy man but uh so oh, yeah. when, did, when did you discover this film like what was your first time um i saw the michael bay remake first myself um, and then I, over, I took a class in college called uh, Story and Fiction and Film. We would read a short story and watch a movie in class every week. Um, and I overheard some people talking about the original one. Um, so I ended up going to watch it, and I was definitely unsettled by it. I watched it by myself um, late at night. Um, and I was just like, what the hell is this? I guess like I wasn't like, I wouldn't say that I was terrified, but I was like very confused by a lot of it. Uh, like, like, Cause it, the, the Michael Bay remake is a very conventional film and mm -hmm. the, the original is just, is not. Um, and they did that with a lot of the like um, 16 millimeter, really experimental, weird, horror movies from like the seventies um, and in the two thousands, they just kind of remade them and made them very like basic. Yeah. Um, You're right though. I mean, it definitely throws you in. Like it doesn't, you're not sure where it's going at points. And then oh yeah, the butcher shows up or, yeah. you know, and it's just, it's just, he's such a presence, you know, with the leather face and the, mm -hmm. the squealing and the chainsaw and the way he moves. He's yeah. a massive figure, but he moves very quickly. I thought anyway. It just felt like oh, he yeah. was 
very it's like a maniac it's crazy oh yeah yeah but yeah this this one definitely grew on me because i um i wasn't sure if i liked it that first time but i kept coming back and so now i bought it in three different formats because <laughs> i got it on dvd originally uh then i upgraded to blu-ray and that was what we watched and then, then I got the 4K because I, I was in Texas when I got it, too. So that's, that's awesome. Fun. That's perfect. This 4K, yeah. is, it looks amazing to me. It does. It looks like a film print, which I think that's the intention. And it, it just, this movie grew on me, too, from a, a technical standpoint. There's some really cool shots from below and above, just different shot choices inside the house, oh, yeah, outside yeah. the house. Even in the van, there's different cool shot choices that I think Toby Hooper really stretched out on this. It's the second feature film, I believe. No, this is his first one. Oh, was it? Okay. Yeah, this one was kind of a crazy shoot. Like they um, just kind of went out and shot it. Um, they shot in chronological order, oh. which is obviously pretty unusual. Um, and I mean, like he he actually has a chainsaw they took the chain out but like he he has a chainsaw and he's like whipping it at people and he can't see i i mean like this was a very unsafe shoot to be honest but like it shows i mean it feels visceral and real mm -hmm. because of it um definitely i think it might have been a real abandoned house too i'm not <laughs> Yeah, okay, so there's some special features on here. There's one of them includes uh a QA with William Frankton mm -hmm. and Toby Cooper. Oh nice 2014. It's a really great uh feature. And they talk about that house, what happened to the house. I think it's like now it's some sort of like gift shop of some sort. Like it's, oh, it's okay. Yeah, it's that's that's a really good interview though. Um I'll have to watch that William one. Fre William Freakin makes the audience stand up and give Toby Hooper like an applause, you know, and you can tell oh, like Toby Hooper's really like emotional over it. So it's yeah, really, it's really sweet. And then there's a full length documentary that is like longer than the feature film, so it's like an hour and a half. I think I think this movie's maybe a little like under hour and a half. Yeah. yeah, but that's a brainy documentary. There's a lot of people's thoughts and stuff behind the scenes and, and newer filmmakers like Fetty Alvarez is in there from the Don't Breathe series and Evil Dead stuff. Um, but yeah, it's, you know, this is this is definitely the definitive release. I haven't listened to any of the commentaries yet, but they're on here. And I'm assuming a lot of the special features from the Blu-ray ported over. I would assume so. Yeah. But yeah, that's cool about that interview, though, because uh, Hooper died in 2015. It was the same year. I'm pretty sure because I think it was the same year as Wes Craven. Um, yeah. So like, that's that's really cool. Yeah, that's um, a nice Q and A. And yeah. he also talks about how uh, he didn't like where America's filmmaking was out of the 50s and 60s, where it was going. You know, that kind of mm -hmm. movies. He was more inspired by European, and you kind of get that flavor. In Texas oh, yeah. Chainsaw Massacre, so I, I, I kind of, kind of dug it. I, I this movie's grown on me a lot, and it's one that I'm going to return to and, and scare people now. That thanks to you, um, <laughs> after several years now, that caught back up to it and appreciated this film for the filmmaking. The, I mean, the acting is great too. Oh yeah, yeah. I, I have to say because I mean, I don't know if any of these guys had experience before. I, I, I don't think I've seen any of them in anything else. Yeah. Um, 
Oh, I I wanted to mention too. Uh, so Rob Zombie's first feature, House of a Thousand Corpses, is a, essentially a quasi remake of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. I mean, like it's a remake in the way that like Midsummer is a remake of The Wicker Man. Gotcha. Um, okay. So like you know like they don't take like everything, but it is like a spiritual remake. It's like the same family. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, like, so, like, everybody's different. Like, there's no, like, I wouldn't even say there's, like, a, a exactly a Leatherface, like, crossover. But, like, you know, there's, his characteristics are kind of spread out ag- across a few people. Um, I saw that movie before I saw this original one. And that one is um, just demented. So, like, I, I think that one kind of spoiled me from being scared for this one. <laughs> but, um, Gosh, yeah. I've heard it's pretty crazy. Uh, yeah. It's, and they it's use, like, bad. Freebird, right? Or something? Yeah. yeah. The first time you see House of a Thousand Corpses, it's very intense. And then, like, the more you watch it, the more you're like, oh, okay, this is actually pretty fun. Like, it's actually darkly humorous, like, quite a bit. Yeah. Um, and you don't realize that because you're just shocked by what is going on the first time. But, but yeah, if you keep watching it, um, I like <laughs> you to get kind it. of you get kind of uh, used to it, I suppose. Yeah, well, I I love to show it to people because like they freak out about it, and then like then they're like, oh, we should show it to somebody else. <laughs> <laughs> that's kind of where I'm at with this one. Yeah, no, yeah, I think that's kind of the the same deal. Like. Um, I don't know if that was going on like at the time when this came out. Cause like I, you didn't really have access to home video, but maybe people would like, be like, Oh, let's go to the theater and see it. I don't know. I would imagine this is a late night theater, midnight movie. Drive-in, oh, yeah. Drive-ins even probably had it a lot. Um, not quite sure, but yeah, it definitely, I think it made a ton of money. Yeah, it was it was it, it was like a surprising financial success and was like roundly condemned by the conservative society of the time um as like the worst thing to ever happen to cinema and like all that jazz. Um <laughs> No, I don't think it's uh anywhere near like junk or anything. I think it's definitely Oh no. high filmmaking here uh especially for genre, for the horror horror genre. Oh yeah. And the Texas Chainsaw Massacre led to Toby Hooper getting a deal with Universal so he could go make, you know, Life Force and Fun House and all the other films that he went on to make. So this kind of launched his career into this oh, horror yeah, icon sure. director. Well, and this remains his most famous film outside of like Poltergeist, which there's always been rumors that Spielberg directed that because it feels so much more like a Spielberg film than a Hooper film. Um, yeah. But which I don't really subscribe to those. I think that just came from working with Spielberg's crew. But I mean, like, I feel like this movie is like pure Toby Hooper, like his style unfiltered and everything that that comes after is, um, it's just him getting a bit more money and being able to like, do a bit more cool stuff. Cause like, I, I actually prefer the fun house. Um, but like the, the the two are very close for me. Yeah. Um, but the Funhouse has a very similar like plot structure in a way. It's like you know a group of it is, teenagers yeah. coming into the thrall of a really fucked up family, um, and having to fight their way out, and only one of and, them makes it. And the carnival is their house, you know. Yeah. And, exactly. And yeah. 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 
Yeah. So, I mean, like, yeah, like the fun house is essentially like a more expensive version of this movie with a different setting. Um, and I think, too, I, you know, you have more money, more budget and you're under a studio. You probably have more heads, more people trying to influence your work. And oh, yeah, yeah. You know, that can be problematic at times. But, you know, Toby Hooper had a, had a great career. Oh, yeah, I think so. I mean, like, I don't think he. um I don't know that he ever achieved the like status that like beyond what he got from Texas Chainsaw and then Poltergeist. Yeah. I think those are probably most people would consider those the two laurels in his crown. Um, would you recommend like, any of the sequels to Texas Chainsaw Massacre? Uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2 is actually pretty good. Um, I don't like any of them other than that. Not that I've seen all of them. Like they're, Okay, so, like, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre is funky because, like, you know how, like, Halloween, they're like, oh, we're going to keep continuing the story, blah, blah, blah. This one, they kind of did, like, Halloween 2018. Like, mm -hmm. like a lot of them will pretend that the other ones didn't exist and do new continuity. So depending on which one you're watching is, like, a lot of them are direct sequels to the original film. I think there's, like, right. two or three of them that are, rather than, like, you know... Other franchises usually only have one or two, but um, but the Texas Chainsaw Massacre Two is pretty good. That one Hooper came back for. Um, it is very different in tone. Be ready for that. It's basically a comedy. Um, That's what I've heard. And Dennis yeah, Hopper's in it. Yeah, Dennis Hopper is like just hamming it up. Um, I'm pretty sure he's some like his daughter was killed or something, and like. I, she might have been a character in the first movie. I don't really remember. Like, it's not played seriously. Like, it's not played mm -hmm. like, oh, like, my revenge quest is, like, the center focus of the movie. It's played like, oh, there's this crazy guy, like, doing stuff in the background. It kind of messes the main character up because, like, <laughs> he's doing crazy stuff around her. And it's not helping her. It's hindering her. Um, it's essentially the same plot structure, except... Um, they come after the main character and draw her into the plot rather than like them entering the space mm -hmm. of the family. Um, so they, they have like a radio station setting that is like for most of the first half. And then it switches to like a bigger budget version of the house, which is in this, like, I think it's in a mine or like, um, like they're, they're they're they have like a bunch of machinery up top for like drilling. It seems like, um, anyway, they obviously had a lot more money because like the the sets are really weird and interesting, um, and the stunts are a lot bigger. Uh, yeah, yeah. and blood obviously blood? Uh, I think so. I don't really remember too much blood though. Like it, it's not like a, it's not like House of a Thousand Corpses, but. <laughs> But there's yeah, no, I think there's nothing more blood than the original. Yeah, Vinegar Syndrome put out a 4K of it. Um, so I've thought about buying that just blindly, but I'm not sure. I'll probably try to watch it first. Yeah, I would try and watch it first because your mileage will vary. Like, oh, I know that a lot of people don't like it. Um, yeah. it, it grew on me. I actually blind bought it too, but I, I got it for like five bucks on Blu-ray. And I started watching it and I was turned off by the tone shift. Uh, I don't know yeah. if I knew about that code going in. Um, 
But then um, they were doing a uh, double feature of Return of the Living Dead and Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2 at the Egyptian. And we went to that and I was like, like, obviously at that point you're sitting there, you can't do anything else. Like you're just watching it. And I was like, okay, actually this one's pretty good. Yeah, um, it kind of won you over in the theater. Yeah. Yeah. I like none of the other sequels have I sat down and watched it and been like, Oh, like I'm glad I watched this. <laughs> what about the remake? The remake's okay. Um, when I was younger, I did prefer the remake. That was my intro to the film series. Um, but also, I preferred those like more, um, like sanded, yeah. more viewing friendly sort of movies at that point. And now I don't like them that way. You know, I like them rough and raw and disgusting. And that's what the original is. Uh, and the the remake has rounded off the harsh edges, which I don't think there's anything else they could have done. Honestly, like like if you're gonna remake the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, I really don't see what else you could do. Like, there's no way they would let you film with 16 millimeter, and like you know go out and do that and like have somebody get hurt and it be a whole thing. Um, you would have to, yeah, that would be that'd be terrible. Yeah. These days. Um, yeah. So like, it's not a terrible film. It, it isn't. It's it's a fine film. It's just there's not. It doesn't have the the spark of the original, and I don't watch it anymore. Now, what you could do is something like I'm not a big fan of this movie, but you could do something like X, that came out last year. Yeah. You know, you know X that, is kind that, of that kind of had that vibe. That I. It did. Um, but I mean, you notice that he didn't use the name brand. He came up with his own property. Right. You know, like even though Texas Chain, even though it, it seems to me to be clearly very inspired. Oh, by they Texas did have the Chain. Netflix one. I guess I haven't seen that one, but uh, I haven't seen that one either. Yeah. Um, that one again is one where they're going back to the original and ignoring all mm-hmm. of their continuity. Right. Um, uh, a la Halloween twenty eighteen. Um, so I mean. But that's not the first time they did that. <laughs> yeah, no. I know. But I've heard it's better. I don't know, though. Yeah, I'm sure. I mean, for you me, I'm always... The, you can't beat the original. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, and like, Tom Hooper made the original, too, you know? So, like, I'm almost always going to prefer what the original creator, what, what their intention for the film series is, rather yeah. than somebody else taking it over. It's pretty rare that you know, somebody comes into somebody else's sandbox and actually like really does like takes them and, and brings it into an, a new and interesting area, like in that creator's lifetime. I feel like eventually, yeah, you can you can do interesting stuff. Like, you know, reinventions on Dracula. Great. Right. But like Leatherface, I don't know that we've had enough time to really digest it. You know, like Sure, the seventies is is a while ago now, but we, we I, I still don't think we fully have perspective on it. I mean, not in the way that we do like older time periods. Um, but but film is a very young medium when you really think about it. Really it really is, yeah. Just over a hundred years old now. Yeah. Um, so and I mean, it's cool. Like a lot of the classic films are going to turn one hundred in our lifetime. Um, Within a decade, like Dracula and Frankenstein are going to be a hundred. It's crazy. Um, 
yeah. I think uh, Nosferatu is already a hundred. Oh right? yeah, for or, sure. Yep. Yeah. Um, Metropolis is coming up. Like I mean, so. Yeah, a lot of the silent films are turning hundreds this deck this uh, decade, and then oh yeah, into yeah. the thirties. You know, you're gonna have some stuff that that's uh, yeah gonna be out there, and it's you know that's why I love physical media because you know it's kind of a preservation of cinema and art, and and you know it's important to revisit these and learn where. The stories came from and where those stories came from and you just kind of bring it to like uh, somebody mentioned like you know you have to watch movies from the 70s to or movies of all genres on twitter they said something like you watch movies from all genre to make a good movie or something but i mean yeah, i guess yeah, that's yeah. true but i think you also have to read books and just know oh, about yeah. storytelling too to make a good story or good movie or you know you have to be kind of educated yeah. on on way on way story works and then you can make it your own Oh yeah, I, I I definitely believe that because I think that um, story is universal. It's just you know what medium you're using, and the medium of story has been around for a very long time. I mean, a couple thousand years at this point. Um, so I mean, like, you, I do think you do need to study like even like plays, I the mean, novel. Everything just goes back to Shakespeare, right? <laughs> well not like i even like he learned a lot from the greeks the greek tragedies um so i mean like beowulf you know like yeah the, I, like i i don't think you necessarily have to know all of that stuff to make a good story but i i do think it helps like like especially like kind of looking at the history of story and how we've gotten here because stories have become very sophisticated and I think part of that is, um, I was thinking about this the other day. There's like an interesting divide. Um, I feel like there's a lot of people now who are not film literate, who have lost some film literacy because of the stuff that they're watching. And then I think that there's another group of people that are hyper film literate that like <laughs> know where everything's going immediately and are like very hard to deal with. Yeah. And um, almost can't appreciate simpler storytelling sometimes. Um, and so, like, trying to find, like, a, a bridge between those two. Because um, they used to be watching the same movies. Right. Um, and then now I don't know that that's the case anymore. I think um, maybe that's the product of streaming, too. There's so much stuff now. You oh, know, yeah, not yeah. Not everybody's watching the same stuff. And then oh, know, yeah, yeah. new content coming out. It's it's a, it's kind of overwhelming. and. Oh yeah, well I, I kind of just stopped. Like I, I, I mean, like I watch it. I watch stuff now and then. Um, it really depends on like who I'm around that has like an interest. So like, I'm watching The Mandalorian because uh, yeah. Ian, my roommate, uh, wants to watch it, and I'm like, yeah, I, I enjoy the show enough where I will sit down and watch it. But like, I, I, I don't know. It's not. Yeah, I mean, you, you're getting like samurai western yeah. vibes in that show. I mean, it's kind of. I was, yeah. I was real excited when it came out, and yeah. now I'm like, yeah, okay, whatever. And I feel like that's kind of like how I feel a lot about a lot of what's coming out. Is like I was excited when it came out, and then like now it's like eh, okay, yeah, it's fine. Yeah, I agree um, with that. 
Ever so often, there's a really good show, though. Um, we're rewatching BoJack Horseman, which I know you didn't really care for, but like, oh, I, I just, I love how they layer the jokes so that they keep building and building and coming back and re, re transforming again and again. Um, it goes back to the writing. Yeah, it was incredibly well written. Um, like, so I mean, there's there's a bunch of shows like that that exist now. The one that I just recently watched uh, was a miniseries, uh, Mayor of Easttown on HBO. That writing was fantastic. Oh, hell yeah, yeah. But but anyways, uh, any anything else on Texas Chainsaw before we head out of here? Um, there's a very good article that I can send you. Um, I don't remember who put it out, but it was like um, HBO is at some point maybe putting out a series about it um, where it was about the making of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Um, I kind of hope that they do that. Um, but it was just kind of describing the whole like making of process and like it was definitely putting like Marilyn Burns back into the um, space. Cause like, I mean like to Tobe Hooper gets a lot of credit because obviously he directed the film, but Marilyn Burns was one of the producers on it. And I yeah. believe she came up with the financing for it. So like she is, very important to the making of the film as, as much so as toe hooper i would say oh yeah. uh, so and i i didn't know that story i i was when i when i heard about that i was like oh that's really cool like um and that's when i re started remembering her name because <laughs> before that uh she was always the um she was always the like final girl that I didn't remember. Cause like, it's like Jamie Lee Curtis. Um, it's Nancy who I don't actually remember the actress's name. Um, but like, I, I, I never remember Marilyn Burns, but, but now I do. Cause I, I think that she's very important to this franchise, even though she doesn't return. Um, as far as I'm aware, she has, she hasn't returned. Yeah, I would say she goes up there as one of the stronger female characters too. Oh Yeah. I mean, like, she's very um, proactive. Like, she does stuff where I'm like, oh, I, I'm i not sure I could have done that. I could, I'm not sure I could have forced myself to do that. Like, when, One when she thing jumped, that bothered me, though, I was like, why don't they drive off in the semi? What are you doing? Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, that was, that was dumb. I, I always get mad at that part. I love that the guy runs away on foot. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, what are you doing? You had a semi truck. Uh, a special edition of the Blu-ray came in the uh, the that truck. It looked wow. huge. I didn't get it because I was like, "This is a ridiculous thing." And like, also, who cares about the truck at the end of Texas Chainsaw? Like, seriously, but uh, <laughs> but very elaborate. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> All right. Well, I don't think I have anything else. All right. Well, guys, let us know below. Have you guys seen the Texas Chainsaw Massacre? Did you pick up this new 4K UHD? Let us know your thoughts. And as always, this has been Return of the Disc. Thanks, Tom, again, for joining me. It's been great. And uh, we have something coming up this summer that you guys will be uh, excited about. So uh, until then, keep physical media alive, and we'll see you next time. Bye, everybody. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> For more Return of the Disc, visit returnofthedisc.com. Check out the audio version of today's show, available on all major podcast platforms. And be sure to subscribe to the YouTube channel, 